Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is the Real Estate Podcast, the intersection between the latest trends in real estate and its impact on our everyday lives. We're your hosts, Alex Norman. And Jamie Blonde, and you've come to the right location. The real estate starts now. In today's episode, The Bundle Dilemma, we explore the intersection between real estate and the evolution of televised home entertainment and how viewing options have evolved over time. And with that, Alex, please take us out. You know, we're all familiar with cable, but The Bundle really took off in the 1990s, you know, when the number of cable channels exploded in large part because of new government regulations. I think most people didn't realize that. But when the 1992 Cable Act allowed broadcasters to charge distributors to carry their signals. Many distributors balked at paying for previously free over-the-air signals. And instead, distributors such as Joe Malone's old Telecommunications, Inc., I'm not sure if anyone remembers that, encouraged broadcasters to launch cable channels. And distributors would then pay fees for the new cable channels and continue to carry uh, local TV stations. That led to the creation of networks like ESPN2, ABC, FX by Fox, MSNBC by NBC, but also gave the power to broadcasters. Each time a deal was up for renewal, broadcasters would just create a new channel. But you know, for most of us in that are not in the cable business, we can all remember going simply from 13 channels to 300. And then HBO and, of course, uh, ESPN uh, for, for sports. You know, it reminds you of that Springsteen song, 57 Channels and Nothing On, because when cable first exploded with all those channels, most of the channels nobody wanted to watch. They were small little gardening channels or shopping channels. And for the most part, you, you only had maybe 15, 20 really good choices. You know, it wasn't until HBO in 2000 when you had the first no commercial channel beamed into the house. And I don't know for you, but for me, movies, one after the other with no commercials was a game changer, changed my whole thinking of TV. That's true, but do you remember, you mentioned Springsteen, wasn't MTV, what was that? Was that cable or was that regular television? I think that was cable. Right, because you had had MTV, you had Nickelodeon, and as a kid growing up, that's all I was watching, basically. I was watching music videos and cartoons. The funny thing about that is if you look at MTV today, they don't play any videos. There's no music, music television. It's all, it's all reality TV, <laughs> but, but we digress. Um, but yeah, so, um, you know, if you think back to all the bundling, I mean, if you think back to uh, 1996, that's when Echo Star launched the Dish Network. And that was the first widely used small dish direct broadcast satellite dish right into the home. And if you recall, you started to see them on on the balconies outside of buildings, you'd see all these dishes. And at the beginning, I didn't know what the hell they were for. They were it was an it was an alternative to cable and you could pull the plug on cable, you wouldn't have to worry about running the cable from the street to the house, you had it in the home. Of course, they also had issues with weather, because when it would when it would rain, they'd lose their signal. So yeah, I never quite understood the dish thing. It was like sort of weird to have an antenna outside of your window. Um, and the whole concept of satellite TV, I don't remember it being any cheaper than cable. And I quite honestly, I don't remember the benefit. And what was the what was it about dish that was distinct from cable? 
I think one was it was a different price point. I think it was actually cheaper. Uh, the second was I think they maybe bundled more things like some of these sports networks and such. And there were a lot more sports available on the Dish network than on the cable network. I think they tried to differentiate themselves with sports, if I recall. So there were all these channels, all these sports teams you could follow. I think that was one of the big, even to this day, when I buy the NFL bundled package to watch every football game that's playing in the country, it's through Dish, even though I don't have the Dish satellite anymore. So I think that was, I think to your point about ESPN, I think that was their their gimmick right because the whole concept of cable was the fact that it was a cable <laughs> like literally exactly <laughs> it'd be this thing that would tether your home and every other home on the block into this into this system and then you have of course the cable guy that that you know would would only come into your house from a short period of 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Yeah, exactly. You had to stay home <laughs> in a four-hour window. Can you imagine? And oh, if you were guy. lucky, the guy showed up. Right. <laughs> this guy is sitting there, you know, with um, you know, with a butt crack, pull, pulling cable out of walls and and all that. And it always seemed to be very odd. If you lived in a, a, a house, the guy would spend half of the time out in your your garden somewhere in the the, the bowels of your of your your home figuring something out and if you were in an apartment he'd be he'd sit somewhere in the closet doing stuff and i was fascinated about what it takes what kind of person actually wants to do and you know jim carrey did a great cable guy um you know the eight people that saw that movie um yeah very 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 funny but look i think cable was interesting for me growing up and Partly one of the reasons why I got into the advertising business is because of the the of advertising. And cable disintermediated that. It gave uh, both opportunities for 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 companies to make more money because they were getting payment from residents on a subscription basis, plus selling ads. And then there was also ad free like the HBO uh, and the ESPNs and all that. Yeah, and and uh, and and the bundling continued to grow. Everybody just wanted to to increase the size of the bundle. As a matter of fact, that's what led to one of the biggest mergers in history, which was a failure. Which was when AOL bought Time Warner. AOL at the time, what's interesting is they had thirty million subscribers, and they thought to buy the content and have the content and the distribution was going to be a home run. But as, as that happened, people started to move away from bundling. So over time, and AOL fell as the as as the internet's internet's leader uh, to Google to other to other um, to other search engines, and as a uh, result, what? that that became a debacle. Well, it's funny th- you mentioned that because AOL was the only way you could get on the internet really i mean that was i mean these were companies that were holding all the cards literally i mean you you had to get a cd in the mail in order to get your aol so that you could go online literally so and it was a dial-up and you do it through the telephone so the cable wasn't even involved in the um, you know in the in the process of the way that you got on on the internet and so i think at the time it made a lot of sense or if you think about it right i think it the failure was in part by a whole different whole host of reasons but but conceptually it was a really good idea right because aol is a gatekeeper to the internet it's the future it was the portal where all advertising the first thing that you see were all the ads that AOL was giving you as you were waiting for 20 minutes to get online. And um, and then the then the Time Warner bit was saying, okay, well, you know what? Now that we're moving away from dial-up, 
and it's all cable connecting the two made a lot of sense. It's only now that we look back and say that was a that was a disaster of a deal, but it was it was brilliant at the time. Well, that's partly because AOL lost their leadership position. It's kind of like Sony with the Walkman. How did Sony, which dominated the Walkman, how did they not get into the iPod? How did they let Apple take over the digital the digital uh, transformation of music? They were the leaders and they lost their position. I think that's what happened to AOL, and in the end. Uh, that's what created the whole thing. But it's interesting that um, when you look back, AOL had 30 million subscribers. And at that point, they thought they were dominant. Netflix today has over 200 million subscribers and growing. It just shows you how, how that's expanded in the world. Well, you know, it's funny you mentioned that only because, you know, Netflix today was actually very different than Netflix when they first were created. Remember, Netflix was DVDs mailed in the mail. Right, right. Yeah. So, so, you know, that back then, I mean, I can't imagine that they had more than 30 million. I mean, they probably had like 10 million subscribers. I mean, it wasn't a big service. It was very expensive um, for them to build out that network and to, to send out all those CDs or DVDs, but also expensive for us. Heaven forbid you lost one. You know, paying the whole thing. I mean, it wasn't a good deal all around. And they almost uh, they almost had issues. I mean, I remember when they launched their their um, their online streaming service and they called it something else, like Quirky or something. I forget what they called it. Uh, and that and then that was failing. And then they changed the name. They they called it Netflix. So there was a whole period where it wasn't clear whether or not they they were going to be successful. Right. Good point. And at the same time as that was going on, other things were happening that was going to change um, how you how you enjoyed entertainment in the home. The movie experience was starting to erode as people were talking more. They were on their phones and they were texting. At the same time as the technology on the TV side was improving, so these plasma TVs that were ten thousand dollars, all of a sudden they were fifteen hundred dollars. You know, you know, and, and and OLED came in. And at the same time, you had cable giving you more and more selection, more and more choices, more and more channels. So that's I think what led to people starting to think, rethink where they were going to get their visual entertainment out of the house in the theater or in the movie or in the movies or in the house as as homes started to get bigger and people started to put TV studios in their homes watching to watch with big with big screen TVs and I think that's changed uh, the importance of the in-home entertainment yeah solution. well you know it's a really good point because not only was it entertainment uh, but it's also commerce right I mean I, I remember a time when I had to take um to turn off my grandmother's access to home shopping network <laughs> yeah, yeah because she was just going crazy i mean there was a point where people were just buying stuff when they saw it and that in and of itself became a whole revolution so to your point people don't need to go or didn't need to go to the movie theater to watch movies because you had your hbo you had your showtime you had your skinamax as they called it uh, and then people could also not have to leave their home and go to the mall because they can then go to HSN or QVC and buy what they need. So, so the cable created many opportunities to stay at home at the same time. It also created many opportunities for people to make a lot of money. That's a very good point. So where are we now? If you look at where we are today, you've got multiple ways of getting information into the home from the internet, from the cable, from the dish. Everyone is unbundling their high profitable business, Disney Plus, Paramount Plus, HBO Max. 
And I start to look at all this and I think to myself, we went from all these being separate to all being bundled. And now when we unbundle it, correct me if I'm wrong, it costs more to buy all these pieces separately than we used to get them all inclusive. Yeah, well, I'm not sure about that. I, 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 in one hand, I think you're right. But at the same time, if you think about it, let's just back up. What were the bundles used to be relatively cheap. It used to be whatever, 80 bucks or, le or less for your HBO. But then the ESPN and then the, the Showtime, the Skinamax, and then, and then as all of these movie channels started opening up, then you had Discovery and you had National Geographic, you had the home HGTV, you had all these different programs uh, that started adding to this pile. And when the bundle came up, you were you had the option between 150 channels or 300 channels plus the HBO's one. So at the end of the day, you went from 60 or $80 to 180, 100. Yeah. You know, I think I was paying $200 at one point. Well, that's because you're in New York <laughs> in Florida it was 50 bucks. <laughs> so today you've got Netflix, you've got Apple TV, you've got Paramount, Hulu and all of these channels that are charging nine bucks. So if you take the basic internet package, let's just say a Fios, and you're paying $40 a month for Wi-Fi only, you can have access to all these programs. And so what is $9 times 10? And that's 10 streaming services, 90 bucks a month plus 40. You're actually ultimately paying 130, which could actually work out to your advantage if you're that person that was paying 180 previously. Yeah, I guess it depends on what you had and what you have, but it, there's no doubt that the choices have expanded now, but it feels like in order to get everything, I'm just, I just used to like to sit down, turn on the TV and I had my controller, which by the way, one of the greatest inventions in the history of man is the remote control because anybody listening to this that's old enough to remember having to get up and go to the TV and turn the channel and come back and sit down would agree with me. Remember there used to be a wire? Actually yeah, the bot, you were connected to the box <laughs> by a wire. Yeah, exactly. And there was the, these, these the push buttons. buttons. Remember yeah, these the push buttons, buttons? The buttons. The buttons. Yeah, we've come a long way. Now your phone can can run your Apple TV. It's incredible. So I I, I do we do have more more choices now. And I guess in the end, our lives are improved everywhere and every in every way when you have more choices, whether it's healthcare choices or retail choices or entertainment choices. Um, I just wonder if going forward, if someone's going to, I mean, people already are starting to bundle it up again. Now you can get Disney and Hulu bundled together, right? As it turns out, there's going to only be three or four major entertainment companies in the world that own everything. It's pretty soon you're only going to need three channels. <laughs> it's going to go right back to the beginning. Well, I think, I think you're right. I mean, it's cyclical, right? I think that bundling is just easier, uh, right? You know, remember the time when people used to surf, uh, you know, used, used to browse stations to see what you wanted. And there was a thing called the TV guide and, and you can look at, Oh, what, what, what things am I interested in? you you were, you were, you were reviewing a long list of options. And then you were able to decide in one place what you want to see when, and, you know, before the invention of TiVo and appointment viewing, where you could save stuff and see stuff later and get out ads, you, you kind of had to live in this sort of continuum. It's like a wormhole of, of viewing, right? You just had the continuous stream of, of time that you were mindless in your couch forever. 
and you could never go back. You never you could never fast forward. And so there was this moment where you were bundling in a lot of ways made a lot of sense because you just, you know, pick up the remote control and then browse. Nowadays, you kind of have to know what you want before you turn on the TV. Like I have to know, okay, I want to go to Netflix because it's a show on Netflix. I have to go to Hulu because what, you know, sign falls on. So you got to know and you can't discover. So I feel like discovery now uh, is probably taking the back seat because you have too many options. Before we continue with the show, I wanted to talk a little bit about Noom. Noom uses the latest in behavioral science to empower people to take control of their health for good. Through a combination of psychology, technology, and human coaching on their platform to help millions of users meet their personal health and wellness goals. A lot of people face pressures to change themselves to fit other people's expectations, and the more freeing solution is to find things that work for you. Noom understands that everyone's weight loss journey is unique, and what works for someone else doesn't mean it'll work for you. That's why Noom's approach adapts to your lifestyle. It's flexible and focuses on progress, not perfection, allowing you to work towards goals at a pace that's comfortable for you. Noom Weight makes it easy to start your weight loss journey and stay on track with personalized lessons to help you gain confidence and practical knowledge, one-on-one -on -one coaching, and a cognitive behavioral approach that teaches you how to be mindful of your habits. 75% of Noom Weight users finish the program, and more than 60% of users that engage with the program kept the weight off for a year or more. So start building better habits for healthier long-term results. Sign up for your trial at Noom.com slash believe. Again, that's Noom, N-O-O-M, dot com slash believe, B-L-E-A-V. Well, it's interesting, you know, um, when I moved to Miami and I'd go back to New York for four or five months at a time, I would rent, uh, I'd rent an apartment. And uh, in that apartment, all they had was basic cable. And if you're used to whatever normal cable you have in your house, basic cable is a joke. You get these lousy channels, you don't get any of the good channels that you want. Uh, you know, and but it, I didn't really need to buy a cable package because I ha I could plug my computer into the TV and off the internet I could get Netflix and HBO Max and all those services that I'm paying for in my home in Florida. I can access them online. But to exactly to your point. That means you have to know what you want to watch. Right. You have to pick something you want to watch as opposed to basically surfing. When you sit down in front of the TV, you've got a half an hour, you got an hour to kill. It's, I find it's nice to have all the options going at the same time and you can land on one and pick it. You know, you can think of a movie that you didn't think you'd want to see and it's on and then you can catch it. Uh, so I think, I don't think I'll ever lose the desire to have a big selection in my cable stream, in addition to whatever I want to pay extra for Disney Plus because I'm a Marvel fan and I want to see all the Marvel movies or something like that. Yeah, and the economics have changed too. There was a point in time where everyone in America watched the same show at the same time. <laughs> and you know, you, you wake up and you go to work the next morning and everyone was talking about that episode or what happened. And there was a lot of ways it felt like you're part of this larger community of people that were entertained simultaneously. We all were. And that's how you had the water cooler in the office the next right. day on Friday morning discussing the Seinfeld episode. Right. And nowadays, you know, people are talking about shows I've never even heard of. And and that I think we're we're connecting less around entertainment because of all those choices. But at the same time, you know, you've got this um, you've got Netflix and you've got Apple recently just uh, it's their first Academy Award. Um, 
And you've got these companies that are investing big in these big shows. Everybody wants to have that one show, the Game of Thrones that everyone, uh, you know, that talks about. And the, but that's big bucks. And so not only are you seeing this proliferation of new streaming services, but you're also seeing more money putting towards content like that you've never seen before. I mean, this is, it's insane the amount of money that's going into these programs today. And so much so that we're now in the second golden age of television, the first golden age being when television began and everything was live with people like Milton Berle and Sid Caesar and Ed Sullivan. Now And now we got to the point where, and, and at that time, none of the movie stars wanted to do TV. If you went from a movie to a TV show, that was basically signaling your career was in trouble and you couldn't get, get a movie anymore, but you were still kind of known. So the TV series wanted you because it would bring, bring more viewership to the TV series. As we evolved and as people like Netflix started having big chests of money and started spending on their own content, and uh, all of a sudden now you have movie stars doing TV and, and if, if anything, loving it, right? You got just as many great movie stars doing TV as doing movies, and so we're into that second golden age, and I think that is what is partly also leading to this push in the home for more space for enjoying the entertainment, for building rooms that are dark and that have a big screen TV, uh, that have nice comfortable chairs because the quality has improved of what you're getting. And as quality deteriorates outside and you have the control in your home, eat what you want, watch it when you want, pause when you want, go to the bathroom when you want. I think it's become a big, big part of what makes a home an enjoyable place to stay. You know, I would argue, though, that the whole entertainment or the home entertainment system is actually not as important anymore, or at least now versus, you know, in the past. Because, you know, I went into Best Buy the other day and, you know, typically the the high-end home theater section is usually empty anyway. But it was unusual in the sense that it was a bit of a ghost town and people weren't in there and the sales reps weren't in there trying to sell you a couch with speakers in it. <laughs> I think, I think the, the reason is because technology has gotten so advanced that you don't need uh, a subwoofer and a surround sound system in Sonos. You, know, you put a Sonos. You just bar. need a bar. You need a right. sound bar. Right. And, and, you know, you, you get the same quality of sound that feel with just a limited amount of technology. That's a limited amount of space. So, the, the the notion that you need to replicate a movie theater experience in your home, I don't think no long, I don't think it really is relevant anymore because of the technology at the same time, the quality of the, the picture, the quality of the production has elevated so much that that the experience I think is a little bit different. And then the fact that you can see it on every screen, your TV, your your iPad, your your mobile phone, and you controlling that seamlessly across devices also makes for a very different experience. And I think your point to uh, to TiVo and to be able to record at the time uh, whenever you want and play whenever you want is a big thing too. We've, we've, we've taken time out as an equation and we've taken control of that now so that we decide when we want to watch what we want to watch. Yeah, it, you know, there is a, a, a common theme, particularly now with the big movies that are just, they're just long, right? And it's, it, you know, most movies, depending on what movie you're watching, it's either it's Dune or Batman or Spider-Man or whatever, you're, you're going to sit for three hours, period. And it used to be 
the big back in the day used to be the big movies, like the Godfathers, the the, the tenpole epic stories that were long. Now it's just pretty much every film. Well, they used to have an intermission when you want when you saw Ben Hur or the Ten Commandments. It was three hours, but there was actually an intermission and, in, well, the, in the it, middle. Exactly, and so everyone complains now. They had to go up, get go to the bathroom three times before the movie was over, and all that stuff. And that that was time. And you're 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 giving your time to the theaters, and they have the obligation to make that time worthwhile, not just for the screen, but after concessions and food, they got to feed you, they have to give you access to the bathroom, they got they got to make you feel comfortable, they got the seats have to have massages in them, they got to do all this stuff to make you feel at home, which is ironic because now you can just be at home. In the comfort of your own home, watching the same movie in the same quality. So I think a lot of the industry that's been focused to get you to feel at home, out of home, are now in trouble because you're like, well, why am I? <laughs> What's the point? Yeah, they had to raise their game, which is why you got all these theaters now where they serve you food. You can get drinks, beautiful chairs, because they had to uh, they had to compete with, like you say, a much better experience in the at home. home. Right. And so now it's like, OK, well, now we're just going to do that at home. Why, why have you go to the movie? Theater? So well, the fun and the funny thing is you mentioned how long the movies are now. Listen, when Avengers Endgame came out before <laughs> I went to the theater, I went online to get advice on when to go to the bathroom. And wouldn't you know it? There were all these people telling you when to go. So I'm sitting in the theater and I'm watching the movie and I'm watching a scene and I go, why does this scene seem so familiar to me? And then I remembered, I got to be in the bathroom right now. And I had to take off and go to the bathroom and it worked out perfectly. I didn't miss a thing. Yeah. I think for me, it's like every time Thanos opened his mouth about ready time to go to the bathroom. Now I, I'm, a, I'm a huge, I'm a huge fan of long movies, right? I love to be entertained. And I think the, the longer, the better, because I feel like I'm getting more value for my for your $20 <laughs> now. Yeah. Right. So it's like, so that, you know, that's another thing, right? It's like time also equals money. Um, who said that? Uh, what was time, time again? <laughs> <laughs> so, and so that, so I, I naturally, I'm going to think that, okay, the longer the movie, the better the movie, um, the more entertained I will be. And now like I, I, you know, on a Saturday afternoon when it's raining, I know what to do with myself. And so that was always a fun experience. Of course, now obviously movie theaters, and we talked about this on, on, a, on a previous show about how elevated that experience is, you know, the, the dining and all that good stuff. But the reality is now those lines are crossing and because you have movie production houses like Warner brothers now having streaming services like HBO max, they, they have the ability to push content in different directions seamlessly and in different ways. So you can see the movie that's in the theater that's on now streaming services at the same time. You can pay for it in much the same way you'd bought a DVD, but it's now instead of six months later, it's two weeks. So I think there's a, there's a lot of economic opportunity for these big companies. I think the, the question for me, uh, is you know what does that mean for us? <laughs> so where, where where does that where does that leave us as consumers? I think I think they're slicing thinner and thinner slices of individual types of content that you can pick and choose and put together on as your own and. It is true that more selection is always a positive for the consumer. And I'm not saying that the fact that all these bundles are separate isn't positive and you can pick and choose what you want to pay for. And to your point, you may be right that it's equivalent when you look at the aggregate of what you're paying to get the, the signal into the home versus what you're paying streaming to get into the home and through the internet. Um, 
I just wonder if it's going to continue like that to continue to get sliced even thinner and thinner, or if if people are going to revolt that everything is individual now and they're going to want to look for that solution again, one size fits all. Yeah, I think to that, to that point, the when I look at my computer right today, you talk about choice and options. I have my Google Chrome browser open with with probably a hundred tabs. <laughs> Okay. And each tab has a piece of content, right? And so you think about bundling, like what Google has done with Chrome as a browser is that they've bundled content in a way that I can customize, right? So I've, I have you know, Wall Street Journal open, I've got NewYorkTimes.com open, CNN, I've got work going, and I'm bundling uh, bespoke if you will. And, but I'm doing it through Google who's tracking all of it. And I think where the apples of the world are going is they're trying to bundle the bundle. And they're saying, all right, you know what? You can have as many options as you want, as long as you use Apple TV. And I think there's going to be a fight between the Apple TVs and the, the, the Sony. Google Homes. and Yeah, the, uh, the Google. So they're, they're competing to own the, the package because at the end of the day, you really don't need cable. And, and we talked about their direct or dish network. We, we didn't talk about Verizon Fios uh, and all that um, fiber network, which are different than cable. And ultimately saying, you know what? Cable, which we always thought was a utility, which was basically like water, <laughs> you move into a house, you hook it you, up, you, you get your your electricity, and then you get your cable. I mean, literally, and your and your keys. Uh, and so those were the things that we thought what home ownership actually meant is no longer. So so now X out cable from a home ownership, and now you're left with your real utilities, and then you what's it's being replaced with is internet service is Wi-Fi. And then when that Wi-Fi Google and Apple, I think Apple's doing a really good job of winning on the entertainment bundle piece that is going to be interesting. And so the fight I'd like to see in the future is going to be a shootout between Apple, Google, and perhaps even Microsoft who owns the entertainment box, i.e. calls your Xbox. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a lot. That's a lot to unpack there, as you would say. Or, or unbundle. Or unbundle. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I agree. I, th I think the bottom line is, is that we have more choices than ever before coming into the home. We have more choices in how we want the signal to come into the home and through what service we want. And we have more choices in how it's presented in the home in terms of technology of TV and, and, uh, and projectors onto walls, et cetera, and, your, and, and beautiful screens on your computer and on your phone, et cetera. And uh, I, think, I think entertainment will continue to be a factor in decisions being made as to where you want to live and what you want your house or your apartment to look like. I agree. The future is going to be brighter, however you look at it. And as the large organizations like the Googles and, the, and Apples of the world, the consumer, we're going to be the ones that win, right? I think we all are going to benefit from a world where there's less and more <laughs> at the same time, or more for less. But I think there's the future is bright. I can't wait to see what comes next. As I think about how to provide entertainment in my home, just knowing that I can get all this stuff on the internet and not have to buy equipment 
DVDs, CD players, and all that crap. I know that can get it all online through one screen or 10 is really interesting. So I, I'm very excited about what the future holds. Points well taken. Uh, technology is moving quickly and our choices are moving quickly and hopefully they will continue to expand and be better for everybody. Well said. You've been listening to The Real Estate Podcast. Give us a quick review and rating on iTunes. Check out our website at therealestate.co and let us know if there are any new topics you'd like to hear us address. We love hearing your feedback. See you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.